Hi, my name is Ben Atkinson and welcome to the Functional Health Podcast. I interview some of the leading voices in nutrition and lifestyle medicine and I will share with you their stories, their expertise and their advice, shedding light on the industry from each of their perspectives to help improve your health from today. This week, I'm delighted to share with you my conversation with Ian Broadley and Ali Jaffe. Ian and Ali are the co-founders of NutriTank, an organization that promotes the need for greater nutrition and lifestyle medicine education within healthcare training, and also empowers members of the public to take control of their health. So without further ado, Ian, Ali, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having us. A pleasure to connect. Yeah, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. So maybe we can start by asking the question that everybody asks, just to orientate everyone, which is, as training medical doctors back in the day, what inspired you both to start NutriTank? And Ali, maybe we can start with you and then move on to Ian. Sure. So I'm a foundation year one doctor in his foundation year two doctor. And we met in our second year at medical school. And why we started NutriTank is we both felt the exact same thing. There was a huge gap in our medical education when it came to learning about how to advise our future patients around diet and lifestyle. And we just found it to be very strange and disconnected that within the NICE guidelines, which are the regulatory guidelines that healthcare professionals in the NHS are governed by, that within the spectrum of chronic conditions from type two diabetes to high blood pressure to even polycystic ovarian syndrome, first line management was to offer patients diet and lifestyle advice. And we sat there in our medical lectures from oncology lectures to cardiology to whatever the specialty, and not once was diet and lifestyle covered, but we would learn straight away the pharmaceutical and surgical interventions. So we thought there was a huge disconnect and we started to dig deeper into it and realized that there was this huge gap despite lip service being paid to it within the guidelines. And when we were sat in gastroenterology uh, lectures where you know nutrition is very applicable, the only real nutrition we learned was the physiology, the biochemistry and the anatomy of the digestive system rather than that practical application and the brilliant theoretical evidence basis that underpins the nutritional interventions within chronic conditions to both prevent symptoms as well as manage them. So we just thought, mm, this doesn't really fit in with what we're reading outside of medical school. How can we change this? And so Tank was born. Fascinating. And Ian, do you want to add anything to that? Um yeah, I think same with Ali. I think it was it was just, you know, starting medical school straight after uh, a previous degree in biomedical science, um, just as you did, Ben, um, I kind of had done a lot of research and then coming into medical school really in tune with research and started um, was also already quite activated towards self-care um, and nutrition for the importance of um, our health. And then seeing lots of research that was coming out from America and also the UK on, you know, diabetes remission um, through diet and um, and other forms of self-care. And this wasn't being put into the medical school curricula into any of the teaching we were receiving. Um, and also going into, um, you know, um, being shadowing doctors and, and seeing that there was basically no um, 
input at all into terms with nutrition and all lifestyle medicine going straight towards the medicine um, or pharmacology and, and surgical intervention. Um, it was just a huge gap. And um, it was just, you know, talking to colleagues about it or students at the time, no one really understood what was going on about. So um, I did a lot of talking over the first year. Um, and then <laughs> after the first year, Ali and I just got together. I think I've stopped talking and started doing. And um, yeah, that's what we've been doing for the last four years. Amazing. Like you brought up that disconnect, Ali, between what you were being taught in medical school and the NICE guidelines. I found I find that absolutely fascinating. Um, and to, to Ian, what you said, I actually spoke to Dr. David Unwin the other day, looking at the low carbohydrate diet and the re remission of diabetes. And I was fascinated to see that this wasn't really being put into practice. And he had to do this kind of by himself not being paid to do it running clinics just to see if something this intervention worked turns out it did he's published several papers since then um, but it's wonderful and kind of perplexing to realize that undergraduate medical students found this and you are driving this moving movement forward in terms of getting nutrition education into medical schools you know what it is really befuddling we really have no words or understanding as to why <laughs> we're in the situation we're in because it's common sense and you know we've known since the beginning of time Hippocrates said you know um let food be thy medicine and it is it is a little bit baffling but we just have to work with the space that we're in now and in and I do is um, there's been evidence sitting there for years and years now showing the power that nutrition interventions can have in prevention and management of chronic disease. And it's now all about that action and that implementation of the brilliant research that's been done. So, um, yeah, the disconnect's been there. Goodness knows why, but we're changing <laughs> that. And we're working with brilliant collaborators on changing that and really driving sustainable long-term change through this new Association for Nutrition curricula. And I know we're gonna get onto that now. So um, I'll let in give a bit of background on that, but that has been one of the biggest milestones in Nutritank's work so far. And it was launched literally last month in October. So we're super proud as this holds the potential for all future medics to be trained in nutrition and to be able to most importantly improve patient care by giving patients non-misinformed information so i'll just let in give a bit of background on this new curricula yes yeah, so the uh, association for nutrition um was um given the reins by the G general medical council the gmc to um create a new nutrition curriculum back in 2018 for undergraduate medical doctors uh, and the AFN the Association for Nutrition created a working group of many different organizations within the UK who are work within the space um, work within nutrition evidence-based nutrition um, we were part of that working group and um, they asked us initially to give um, a bit of information on what's going on on the ground um, in terms of what's happening at medical schools because we, we were we'd been quite vocal about the lack of education so mm -hmm. even in the first meeting of that working group we provided um, evidence in a powerpoint slideshow to these working group members on survey data that we collected to show that there was you know a couple of hours students were reporting a couple of hours maybe 
you know, they were saying three or four, five or six hours in medical school, five to six years of nutrition training. Um, and doctors who we surveyed said um, that they were not confident to discuss nutrition with their patients because of lack of confidence, lack of training. And it wasn't the lack of time um, that they were receiving. So that kind of set the agenda for the three and a half years since 2018. So it's been developed over those three years. It was published last month, so it's really exciting. And it is a gold standard by which medical schools can um, set their training for um, nutrition. And it ranges not just from um, obviously evidence-based providing advice, it's also um, nutrition on the wards, so clinical nutrition, NG tubes, uh, hydration, and also- um, Sorry, Ian, can you clarify uh, NG tubes? Yeah, nasogastric tube feeding for patients who cannot get nutrition through eating or um, themselves, you know, maybe ICU patients. Um, so, you know, really, really important stuff. Um, so there's a whole range. Um, that was, you know, obviously that was working group members who were, that was their um, bread and butter. For us, it was actually um, what we were specialist in or what we wanted to see more of um, was the more being able to talk to patients about diet, about lifestyle. I just want to read one um, um, one clause from the um, the curriculum, which I think we are most proud of, and that um, really... Um, you know, the GMC has backed this. Um, um, uh, let me just find it. Take your time. Yeah. Um, it is here. Okay. Be able to start a sensitive, non-judgmental conversation about weight, food, and lifestyle in a brief consultation within a primary or secondary care setting. And that is a core skill in intervention for doctors in the future um, and this you know obviously this curriculum that will hopefully be implemented within all the UK um, medical schools if doctors are able to do that for their patients in the future that will really really benefit patients and you know you know thousands of patients in generations to come um, and um, so the next step obviously is that there's this great curriculum the next step is implementation and we are working from a grassroots um, approach we and um, we have tw 22 medical school societies across the UK where medical students are organizing um, educational events and these students are activated to the importance of more nutrition in their curriculum so we're help we're using them where they use you know we're working with them to highlight this new curriculum to their faculty members so emailing it to their faculty members, telling them about it so that it's um, driven up on the agenda to say, you know, these are medical students really wanting it within their course. Um, and we're also working within a coalition, um, Culinary Medicine UK, um, you know, the founder and director, uh, Dr. Ruby Orgela, um, as well as NEDPRO, uh, who you work with, and um, uh, Erem, who's a research group in nutrition. So we're also working within this this coalition of organisations because we're working towards the same mission, and uh, we feel that's best that this is a joined up um, force, um, all working towards the same thing and trying to implement this change. Because it's not good that you know there's lots of organisations all doing their own separate thing. We think it's best that a collaborative approach is is used to to try and make change happen. Absolutely, that sounds absolutely amazing. 
Um, it was just so surprising to me that you said there was two to six hours of nutrition education within a five to six year curriculum, medical education curriculum. Absolutely insane. <laughs> but I'm so glad you're changing this. What yeah. has been, sorry. And just to say, you know, there's about 5,000 hours worth of contact time within right. a medical school. So it's not even really a nod to nutrition, is it? You can't even call it that. No. <laughs> um, I think what we found is, you know, obviously it's quite complex. It's not all black and white. It's not all about just the number of hours. It's also about the quality. It's also about engagement and the assessment of it, which is a whole new step. Um, which we're going to be working on. Um, but there are hidden areas within current curriculums that could be seen as nutrition, but they're not. Um, and we, we want to, medical schools to kind of um, highlight these and maybe get dietitians in to teach medical students mm. this core nutrition, which is, yeah, a lot of medical schools, uh, two or three have actually got dietitians in. And we're trying to use them as models for other medical schools to adopt. One of the things which interests me is actually understanding the response that you've had so far, both from a top down, from like a senior seniority level, and also a bottom up. Ali, I wondered if you could come in on that. Mm, so that was the approach we thought would be most effective to take bottom up and top down to actually create this change and get it you know, get it actually into curricula and long-term training. So very early on when we started NutriTang, we took, you know, the millennial stance of, you know, let's be change makers, let's recruit as many like-minded people across the country. And that's what we did through social media and through creating NutriTang branches at 20 plus medical schools in the UK. So we essentially have two thirds of medical schools with NutriTang branches and they can really make local change challenge their faculty uh, to really include more nutrition within their training and then from the top down as you know most startups are we wanted to be as disruptive as possible so <laughs> we started um, you know shouting out about it in the media and um, we got picked up by uh, Sheila Dillon who is a huge supporter and friend of ours uh, the presenter of the BBC food program and she was based in Bristol as well so she had us on the radio to talk about the fact that medical students claim they learn nothing about nutrition. Then that got picked up by BBC News and made a whole headline and was viewed by viewed by many. Um, and then that really snowballed into much more exposure. The AFN asking us to join their working group, working with Jamie Oliver. Uh, we worked with his public health campaigns team off the back of the Nutrition for Medics television show we did with him on Jamie and Jimmy's Channel 4. Um, and we worked with him and his campaign team to get an extra clause added into the NHS 2019 long-term plan to increase nutrition and education for staff. Um, so it's it's been really amazing watching how our kind of lobbying from both, you know, angles from bottom up and top down has led to real change, which is what we wanted to see. Hugely commendable what you guys have been doing. I would like to ask you something a little bit more personal like often people have a story when they become interested in the field of nutrition either how nutrition has changed their own lives or maybe they've seen it benefit others um what interested you both to begin with or was it just the fact that you realized this disconnect between the nice guidelines and actual the medical curriculum itself um ian do you want to come in on that first and then ali 
so um, I think um, I was quite lucky to come from a wider family who were really in tune with the importance of eating healthily um, um, for just you know health and well-being, and also um, maybe a bit more than just that. Also, eating intuitively. Um, um, I think there was even Ayurvedic practice in there somewhere um, from an aunt. Um, so that rubbed off on me. Um, but then going into, uh, that was before going to university first time round. Um, at university, I kind of had a, you know, it was a student student life. I think in, in my third year, I was probably quite unhealthy, um, very stressed, n- not really in tune to what I was eating. Um, and I think at that point, I kind of, there was a moment where I had to stop and go, okay, I need to change some things. Then I became more in tune with what I was eating. Stress reduction techniques it really helped me get through my finals. Um, so then when I did apply for medicine, I got in. I was already really in tune to how important it was for, you know, just general health and well-being. And then um, having had that research um, opportunities, being in tune with the research, understanding how, you know, I had a really passion for it. Just I think putting those two together, coming into medical school, I was already kind of activated to it. So it, it all kind of fed into one, into, yeah, it just fed into the first year of medical school and just, it was the natural place to go to. That makes perfect sense. Thanks, Ian. Ali? Uh, so similar to Ian, uh, I feel very grateful to have grown up in a family where healthy living was just ingrained uh, into the culture. So um, I'm first generation British, both my parents are South African and my mom's been vegetarian since she was 12. So I was always growing up, I was a very fussy eater, but I was always growing up with home cooked meals, cooking from scratch, baking with my mom, lots of vegetables. And I think for me, what got me really interested is I took a gap year before medical school uh, as I didn't get into medicine first time round. And I went traveling by myself, like as a young female for around six months. And I had to really look after myself and, um, you know, kind of practice self-care before going off to university. And I became so fascinated by all the different cultural aspects of food, the psychological aspects of food, the social aspects of food as I traveled and also saw the huge health benefits. I spent quite a lot of time in the States um, as I've got family then, you know, they're very progressive with functional medicine, integrative medicine. So I began just becoming so much more tuned to the practitioners out there and listening to their talks and research. And I just thought it was incredible. Um, and then when I started medical school, I've, I'm someone who, um, as I'm sure many people have, had issues with my mental health and um, have I've suffered from depression and generalized anxiety disorder and so I'm very open about that and uh, nutrition was a huge way for me to manage my symptoms but also have cooking as an outlet to be really mindful and present and not always um, trying to multitask so it means a lot to me nutrition and cooking for sure that's absolutely amazing and both like quite similar beginnings I guess but like went about it in different ways um absolutely amazingly went traveling for six months I think we should dive into that off air 
<laughs> we usually fascinated about that one. Do you see new members or people that are interested in NutriTank at different universities have a similar beginning? Either they've they've I don't know had a family which are very interested in nutrition, or they're coming at it like only discovering the importance of nutrition when they start university. I think everyone has come at it from different angles, to be honest. Some people, like we're nutrition and lifestyle medicine at NutriTank. So we prioritize nutrition because we believe it shouldn't just fit under the umbrella of lifestyle medicine because it intersects with so many other sectors of society, whether it's agriculture, food industry, you know, healthcare. It's so multifaceted nutrition that it can't just be under that umbrella. But Obviously, we run other events uh, around lifestyle medicine. So some students are really passionate about fitness, outdoor swimming. So up in St. Andrews, they're constantly doing like boot camps by the beach and going um, cold water swimming. So people have come at it from all different points of view. People who are very outdoorsy, people who love to gym, people who love cooking, people who just wanted that community and to talk about practitioner well-being as well as patient well-being and the importance of self-care so you know we offer so much um as well as you know getting expert speakers who really trust our brand and want to work with us come and educate our audience so um, a lot of people are drawn to us for different reasons i'd say and you have built a brand that people trust i feel like i definitely trust the information that you're putting out there it must be quite hard to maintain that level though how do you how do you find that? We we have put um, you know I, 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 integrity and scientific um, robustness at the forefront of everything we we've, we've done, um, and we since the since you know the initiation of NutriTank, we were both researching and making sure that everything we put out there was was really um, you know science led and um, evidence based or evidence informed you know at least um there's you know emerging there's you know we can talk about things which are emerging fields and maybe they don't have huge amounts of um um you know scientific backing as of, at the moment but are interesting to say you know this could be something um in the future um and we we've got a great team behind us as well um we've um got some fantastic dietitians nutritionists um you know um over the years we've had um people actually voluntarily say i'll review you know things that you're putting out there we will review um radio statements that you're going to put on air on the bbc news um we've obviously worked with ned pro which is a fantastic resource of um um, nutritionists and uh, dietitians and um um we work with them on on joint statements um and you know it's i think what we always remember is that who what we're trying to change is medical curricula um, and medical training. And who are those guarding that? It's the people who are the most critical. It's the people who are the most, they need to make sure that what's going into their curriculum is the most of, of utmost scientific integrity. So that's why they're so, they don't, they're very cautious of nutrition and things that they're not fully aware of or understand very much. They're very, they haven't been taught it themselves so why would they why would they put it into their curriculum like straight away we need to, everything we need to deliver has to be our highest um of scientific integrity yeah. 
And I just wanted to come in there and say, yeah, absolutely um, agree with everything Ian said and just want to really um, highlight a huge value that underpins Nutritank and that's humility and keeping an open mind and knowing our limitations. We are not the experts. We were medical students when we started this, but we had a really innovative vision of how we can help change the healthcare landscape in the UK and we got the experts on side to help teach that information to our network so we never call ourselves experts but we have the experts within our networks to deliver that to quality assure the information we're giving out and i think it's so important to work in an interprofessional way and to know what your limitations are and really try to keep as much humility as possible i think that's great what you said said ali i think that's like an undervalued thing like understanding your limitations right so you're not overstretching ever and uh ian what you said with evidence informed rather than evidence-based shimon corrected me on that the other day from netpro <laughs> saying that you need to be evidence informed because the evidence changes all the time and i think with nutrition especially what we know now is going to be different well what we know in the future is going to be different to what we know now right so we know the fundamentals now but those kind of nuances are ever changing. And we know that from understanding how low carbohydrate diets can potentially put diabetes into remission and reverse it in some instances. And the old school way of thinking was a very low fat diet. And we know that there might be multiple ways to skin a cat, multiple ways to tackle a problem, I should say. I think um, also just to add to all these um, interventions, especially the, uh, you, you mentioned um, uh, Dr. Unwin's uh, intervention, there was also, as well as the dietary um, change, there was also psychology input as well. And I think that's really important to mention because it's not just about the nutrition, it's also about the psychology and behavior of, of that change, which is as important. And, and probably, you know, for motivational change and, and, and for long term, it's, it's really important. Yeah, I mean, arguably, in some instances, more important, right? Because anyone can restrict calories given the will to do so, right? You, despite what diet you're on. Um, but understanding what a healthy diet is makes that whole psychological element much easier, in my opinion, at least. And the evidence supports that as well. Yeah, and I just wanted to add, uh, just bringing it full circle, um, really appreciate that you clearly trust us and view us as a trusted platform. That's something we've worked really hard on. And why we want to why we want to remain that way and what we hope to do to maintain that trust in the public and with healthcare professionals is remain diet agnostic. So you'll never see us talking about one particular diet. We talk about dietary patterns that are beneficial and we really try and say that there is no one size that fits all. You have to take into account people's socioeconomic background, social determinants that have led them to food choice as well as their cultural preferences and that's how you know you can adhere to everyone's needs and I think we don't see that enough in kind of the social media world of healthcare professionals things become quite black or white with their thinking um, or not even their thinking maybe just their expression of their thinking and I think that's what we really try and do at Nutritank. 100% it's a spectrum right I, I interview 
inter- interviewed, interviewed Dr. Yale Joffe, um, who's a professor of nutrigenomics over in South Africa. Um, and that was just eye-opening. And I love nutrigenomics in general, just to understand how our genetics interplay with our nutrition and vice versa, but also understanding how a microbiome can change our individual responses to food. I interviewed Dr. Sarah Berry, who works very closely with the PREDIMED studies and Zoe, um, and that was another eye-opener, understanding that there's so many elements. And when you mentioned dietary patterns, I think it's so important that we look at nutrition in that way over just strict diets, because the Mediterranean diet has so many different facets to it. You can manipulate that diet to fit one culture um, and do it many other ways to fit others. So, yeah. Basically, long way of saying, I completely agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, I wanted to revert back a little bit. When you mentioned um, nutrition and cooking was such a big part of your, your life, Ali, um, I was wondering with the, the general anxiety disorder, whether that kind of experience that you've had has influenced your clinical practice and your idea of a career moving forward. So interestingly, it has. Um, I'm very set on training in psychiatry. My favorite field is the emerging field of nutritional psychiatry. And that's where I put a lot of my energy into reading the research around that. And so I think from my own experience um, and from, and there's a lot of mental illness as well in my family. And um, I've just kind of, once you're drawn to something I get you know put in positions a lot when I'm talking to people who I care about about their mental health and I've just seen that um, you know having an outlet that's meditative and where you can be creative whether that's cooking or whatever it is for you I think is such an important thing and having the right nutrients in your diet as well and having that um, attitude that it doesn't have to be perfect we're all fallible we just need to live and just being able to you know take an 80 percent 20 percent approach that 80 percent of the time I follow a dietary pattern that's beneficial to my mind and body 20% of the time I don't need to be rigid and I think being able to have gone through um, the poor mental health that I have where like at times I was emotionally eating and um, you know all different kinds of things around foods and to get to a really stable place where I can really see the benefits of 80-20 and it's all just quite organic in terms of how I um, select foods and my cooking preferences and things like that. Awesome. That's really good to know. The reason why I brought that up is I've had intermittent bouts of anxiety and I get it very acutely. But what I've realized is it's normally after a holiday. So after the time you're eating and just maybe not eating well, you're not really focusing on your nutrition, maybe there's some alcoholic drinks involved. And then after the fact, maybe a week after, I'm more prone to anxiety and less resilient to stress in general. And I don't know what's going on mechanistically there, but it's fascinating to me that if I deviate from a healthy diet, I just become prone to it way easier. I don't know whether you find the same. That's really interesting. I mean, you know, we're talking anecdotally here. You know, oh, 100%. But this is a conversation. <laughs> so from a, from a um, personal point of view, alcohol has a huge impact on my mental health and my food choices. So I know that when I choose to drink and I'm much more selective when I drink now and it's very rare and it's when I really 
fancy it rather than I feel like I have to. When the next day, all I want is refined carbohydrates. And of course I allow myself, I give myself permission and all of that. But if I was doing that regularly, that would become an unhealthy pattern and would lead to, you know, lower mood and probably feeling a cycle of anxiety. Um, And so I think, we just have to really do what's best for us and hone in on what tools are in our tool books, you know, to help us with uh, coping with anxiety. I think when you go on holiday, you let yourself go. And I think when you come back to the stress of everyday life, that can also have an impact on, you know, oh, I've not looked at my emails. I've not had responsibilities. I think there's so many factors, probably other than diet as well, comparing like the holiday scenario versus your working life scenario. And, you know, you're quite selfish when you're on holiday. It's, it's a real self-care activity. It's like, I'm turning off my phone. I'm doing this. Whereas when you're living your everyday life, you've got family, job, financial responsibilities that you put on hold whilst you're on holiday, but they all come back. So I think... Yeah, it probably definitely does make an impact, but our bodies are also resilient. Of course, you can go on holiday and eat whatever you want and, you know, it not have long-term impacts. 100%. You were so right when you were saying there's multiple factors as well that contribute to that. Ian, how can people get involved in supporting this movement going forward? um, People can support in many ways. I mean, obviously our target demographic is students, medical students, um, medical doctors. However, we have such a broad, um, you know, range of people who are interested in working with us. We have got dietitians, nutritionists. So, um, if you're a medical student, please do get in contact. We've got communities in your medical schools across the UK where you can go and actually um, get involved in running the societies. Um, you can get access as a as a member to a lot of our benefits. Um, and you know, obviously, it looks really great on your CV and um, on your future applications. Um, if you're a doctor, same. We've got we're starting a whole new network of doctors across the UK um, who are trying to enact change within the NHS acute trusts um, with bringing in better um, food and health and well-being options um, to because the obviously the food environment in hospitals is rubbish so there's loads there's lo- very loads of great opportunities to get involved in hospitals with the nutri tank um, and then if you um, love writing content if you love um, creating you know interesting content we've got um, options to write blogs for us write instagram posts um, if you can think of a project that you want to get going bring it to us you know we've got loads of interested medical students and healthcare professionals who might be willing to work with you on this project um and if you're someone who's um a member of public who thinks that this is an amazing you know we're a not-for-profit uh community interest company um we uh don't take a salary but we are doing everything we're doing um for the the you know the good of our community which is a community of healthcare professionals if you are listening to this and you think how can i help um please do donate to us we've got a donation option on our um, website or you can become a member so i think there is opportunities to get involved with this movement in what where whatever walk of life you're from and whatever you can do to help will go a long way so yeah get involved please get in contact <laughs> get involved um donate to us buy our memberships our memberships will give you amazing access to loads of educational resources you know med pro courses our own courses um there's um, discounts to great food brands on there 
um, health and fitness brands. So what yeah. I'll do is I'll put links to links. everything in Please the show do. notes <laughs> so people can access them there, including the, the donation button. So there you go. Fully support your movement. Last question to you both, because I know we're very tight on time today. Um, how should I structure this? How do you see NutriTank evolving in the future? And what are your aspirations? Ali? So how I see each tank evolving in the future is that we are the go-to hub for everything nutrition and lifestyle medicine. And we become an Amazon marketplace for everything on the market in the educational space, but also in the food industry space. And we become that quality assurance service that because people trust us, they know that they can use this product, you do this course and it's credible, it's evidence informed. And we really want to be that brand that brings everyone together, that connects the dots, working on a farming project at the moment. We work with nutritionists, we work with dietitians, we want to bring everyone together all around food, chefs, schools, you name it, all to make change to the system around um, nutrition education. Thanks, Ali. Ian? Obviously echoing um, what Ali says, yeah, to be the leading Very aligned. (laughs) Be, Be the leading hub in um obviously nutrition and lifestyle medicine and self-care activation um and um and also to have every single um medical school across the uk with a uh, medical student society running uh, lifestyle um and nutrition events um and to one day have medical doctors being able to talk to their patients about diet and lifestyle and it, for it to be examined on and for it to actually lead to better health outcomes. Um, I think, you know, this is our, our mission. Um, so basically that hub leading to real change, leading to better patient outcomes. Yeah. And lots of TV documentaries about our work. So just watch <laughs> this space. <laughs> awesome. I will link to those as they come out as well. So Ian, Ali, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you today. I think it's commendable what you two have been doing and just how much time you've given to this movement. I wish you the best of luck with everything and I do hope that we can do this again soon. Thank you so much, Ben. And for everyone, please follow us on Instagram, Nutritank underscore official, Twitter, Nutritank underscore info, LinkedIn, Nutritank CIC. My professional account on Instagram is Dr. Ali Jaffe and Ian's is Dr. Ian Broadley. So do give us a follow. Link to all that in the show notes for everyone as well. Thank you, Ben. It's been an honour. Thank you for listening to the Functional Health Podcast. You can find links to everything that we talked about today in the show notes. If you have a second, please consider leaving a five-star rating on iTunes. It really does make a huge difference and helps get this valuable information out and reach more people. Don't forget to subscribe so you can stay up to date and know whenever I release a new episode. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook or our website and all questions are welcome. As always, thanks to Joss Aurelia for all the editing and thank you all for your support.